0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the No Recipe Required Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Taylor. This week, I speak with uh, Chef Dennis, who runs the popular food blog, Ask Chef Dennis. Um, We talk about all kinds of things related to the food industry and working in restaurants. Uh, We talk about how to create a restaurant-quality meal at home and what his tips are. Um, A little bit about making sure you cook what you like um, and with what you have on hand. He also tells us his background in terms of working in the uh, the realities of working in the restaurant industry and about starting up a cooling. Program at a girls' school. So, um, hope you enjoy my conversation with Chef Dennis. So, welcome everyone to another episode of the No Recipe Required podcast. Um, this week, I'm really honored to have sort of a, I guess, can we call you a celebrity chef um, uh, who's uh, well known in uh, uh, sort of food blogging spaces, uh, Chef Dennis. Uh, So welcome to the podcast, uh, Chef Dennis. Well, thank
1: you, Leslie. I'm very happy to be here and honored to be on your show. And, you know, I'm just a regular guy and you can call me a celebrity chef, but my wife will usually slap me if I say anything like that. So.
0: (laughs) So, tell us a little bit about your background. So, I, you know, in doing some research for the podcast, and I sort of came across that, you know, you were listed as like, um, as one of the top 50 best food blogs out there. So, I'd like to know a little bit about your food blogging experience. Sure. Um, also your background as a chef and sort of what your progression through that is. And I'm also really curious about, uh, the bit that said that you were a chef in a Catholic girls' school. Yeah. I went to a Catholic girls' school, we didn't have a chef. (laughs) So, um, be really interested in hearing, you know, your experiences on sure. that as well. So I'll just turn it over to you.
1: Okay, well, you know, I, I always love to eat, you know, that was something early on that my grandmother instilled in me, I had a Mexican grandmother, I'm half Mexican and half English Irish. And you, know, you look at me, you would not even think I was Mexican. But I've used that card a couple of times. <laughs> it's, it's good to know. And um, I learned to eat different foods. And, and she would just put things in front of me and keep cooking as long as I would eat. And um, I guess that started the passion for food and, and different food. And my mother was a nurse, so she worked nights and she had to sleep during the day. So if during non-school times, if I wanted to eat, I'd cook. So that's kind of how I started cooking at home. And, and I always tell people that you know my love for the idea of being a professional of some type Although I didn't have a clue what it would be like, came from watching The Galloping Gourmet on TV. Graham mm-hmm.
0: Kerr, I remember it well. I watched it too <laughs> as a child growing up.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, he would drink. I mean, not that I was ready to drink or anything, but he had such a good time. He was had that accent and wore the scarf uh, and, and would come out and make food. And people would moan. People would, would actually moan when they eat the food. I, I think that got imprinted in me. You know, I had that long route to becoming what I would eventually do as a career as a lot of people do and uh, that was always calling to me Mm -hmm. and I started cooking professionally in the 80s I think it was Um, I got hired as an apprentice actually I had been I had some experience I had been taught I had a family friend uh, that had taught me a lot early on in my life that I carried over with me and I worked with someone that was just brilliant. She was amazing. She had been director of, of uh, food services at the University of Pennsylvania hospital, and had also been the head of the dietetics department at one time. So she was just super brilliant and was retired and, and she would pass her knowledge on to me, you know, uh, just different aspects of food. And that started the journey into cooking professionally. Uh, And uh, I, I went to this restaurant and the first day I worked At the end of the shift, I looked at the owner who was the chef and I said, I wish I'd been more help to you. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I wish you had too. So (laughs) I knew (laughs) it was kind of a marriage that was going to work real well. It was going to be no lies or any pretense or anything in here. And I just had to put my nose down and work. And uh, We had a big German chef there, uh, Norman, who uh, was really trying to be the proper CIA graduate that he was and would look down as I was just a, you know, a peon kind of thing. And I kind of broke him after a while of him doing things and me just being funny um, in responses to him. And I actually got him singing during dinner rushes with me. Um, He was a really great guy. And he taught me a lot. And he hated to cook. He was a CIA trained chef, but he did not like to cook. He liked every other aspect of the profession, ordering, cutting meats, preparing things, doing the, um, uh, putting the stuff expedition of the food, putting it out and managing the whole restaurant, but he just cooking wasn't his thing.
0: That sounds really counterintuitive because most people you know who think uh, like who love to cook are like oh wouldn't it be wonderful like they have this romantic idea of what being a chef is and oh wouldn't it be wonderful and like you know I love to cook and I've been cooking you know since I was a teenager as well, and people always say to me oh you know why don't you open a restaurant or a bakery I'm like. I don't want to do that. No. I, lo- I love cooking too much to like have it be my job. Like yeah. I don't want that to be my job. So I find it interesting when when you say that, you know, someone who's actually a chef doesn't even really want to cook.
1: <laughs> no, he, he just wasn't his thing. I mean, he could, he could make anything. He just, the passion wasn't behind it. So that got me moving into the corner to cook, you know, I was just being trained as like a nobody, you know, loading the ovens up, prepping things, doing things. And um, the owner would step out or the owner wouldn't be on and Norman would be in the back being busy. We'd get an order in and I watched everything they did. I learned by watching. I learned by reading and I would go in and I would make the dish and he'd come up and he'd look, you know, first he was tentative and then after a while he got to trust me more because I kind of knew what I was doing. And the owner would come in and yell and go, what, what's he doing back there? And he was huge. I'm big, but he was huge. And he grabbed me and pulled me aside and, uh, get out, what are you doing? Uh, and then the owner would leave me and he goes, okay, okay, go ahead, go back, go back. Yeah. And uh, that served me very well because by the end of that first season on the busiest day of the year, the owner got stung by 18 bees and couldn't cook. And I walked he in. He gets
0: stung by 18 bees. <laughs>
1: he was opening. He was looking for a new restaurant site. And he climbed up into this little like bell tower kind of a thing. And there was a beehive there oh, no. or a wasp hive. And he got, oh
0: wasps. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Not bees, but wasps. And he, yeah. um, he wasn't allergic, thank God, but you know, they had to shoot him up with so much uh, other stuff to keep him out that he couldn't work. And I walked into work and they said, guess who's cooking tonight? And I went, "Who?" going to go? You are. And that was my graduation trial by fire. Uh, in by the end of that season, you know, I had done it all. I had made that night. I think I made about 400 dinners. You know, it was just one after the other, after the other all night long. And that kind of really fueled more of my passion and more of my intensity. And I felt accomplished. You know, I wasn't ready for prime time, but I felt accomplished. And I stayed with that family probably for about another six or seven years, working full-time, working part-time, grass is always greener, went to do sales, and that was just awful and came back and cooked. And then I opened up a couple of different restaurants for people and found my way back to that same family and worked for them for about another eight years. And I had two carpal tunnel surgeries and uh, my right hand. Well, first, when I had my right and my left, I was just a mess. I tore my uh, hamstring uh, lunging with a huge stock pot. I didn't want to spill. And uh, then I, my, my hands went, I had some nerve damage in my neck, and I was just getting beat up. So I wanted I was going to retire from cooking, and I went into management. So that was, OK, that's what I'm going to do. And I tried that, and I got kind of burned out at management because I was running a huge facility. And they sent me somewhere to recuperate in a small place. And I'm there in my shirt and tie and just watching, watching things go by. And, This other person I had sent to recuperate there looked at me and said, make yourself useful and get back in the kitchen. And I went, okay, because she scared me (laughs) and uh, went back there and started cooking again. And it was kind of, um, I turned the place from doing no business into doing about six times as much business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then opened another new place and opened another new place. And I was back to cooking. And then I had another carpal tunnel surgery. (laughs) So yeah, I
0: mean, I guess it really is cooking is hard on the body, is it not? Like there's a lot of repetitive strain. So uh like I even know just this past Christmas, I was uh I was making a bunch of meat pies and I made quite a few and I had to cut a lot of meat, and I started to develop. I mean, in my case, it was a blister, a blister on my hand from where I was holding my knife, and and I couldn't Imagine like if people do this for a living every day, the amount of the the physical demands that come from working in in the food industry yeah. and in restaurants.
1: Yeah, most of it you don't realize till later on in life, and that's your back is really the worst part. Is from standing on concrete floors. You know, even with rubber mats, uh, floors are not the best, and they're tiled with tiles over concrete. I, I, I learned how to walk without really basically raising my feet. you know they'd come up about a half an inch off the floor just so you wouldn't slip on any water and you walked very shallow steps. Um, but yeah, it just kind of accumulates on your body so um, that's how I found myself at the uh, the girls school.
0: Okay, uh, so tell me about that. Yeah,
1: I, I was burned out, I was beat up. I was ready to retire I think I was only what 50 53. And my wife was a teacher and I was so tired of her being off all summer and or holidays. And unless there was a state of emergency, I had to go to work. And uh, when I went out my second carpal tunnel, I came back. My general manager was gone. So I called him and said, what happened? He goes, oh, I went to work for this uh, Flick independent school company. He goes, "Uh, I got a job for you. I'm like, huh, right? He goes, it's in Flower Town. And I went, Flower Town? I'm not going to Flower Town. He goes, go, go. You know, it'll be great for you. And again, I tell people I did, I was thinking flowers and smell the roses. It was flowers and bread.
0: Oh, so where's Flower Town? Flower Town
1: is right outside of Chestnut Hill, which is outside of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. It's um, a... A f- very interesting route that I took for eight years at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> in the dark, a winding path on the car. Um, but I went there and I looked at it and I'm like, oh man. You know, it wasn't that it was dirty or it wasn't that it was it was just old, it was a tired kitchen, it needed so much attention. You know, it had not been given any attention. And I looked at it, I'm going, oh, this is just not, you know, I I I, I can't do this. And the principal goes, and we work 165 days a year. And I went, when would you like me to start? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that was how I started there. And then slowly over the course of the years, I just kept chipping away at things and replacing everything and found creative ways to uh, replace things without the company having to pay for it, you know they did, but they didn't know it (laughs) kind of a thing. Uh, I was making more money than they ever had there. And everyone was really happy because I didn't know what to feed kids. So I fed them like I've been feeding adults and we'd have sushi, chicken marsala, stir fries, fried shrimp, you know, flounder, you know, I I just was very good at budgets and, and creative. What were
0: the, what were the ages of the girls?
1: They were high school. High school, okay. High school, yeah, there, was, uh, there were 600 high school girls. It was an, all, an all-girls school and every one of them went to college. And about three years into it, I said, you know, I'm tired of hiring temps. They're awful. You know, I'm gonna start training my own staff. Let me start a culinary program. I had done some classes off the cuff there. And uh, at least let me just start an actual class, a culinary club and teach some girls how to cook and I'll use them to help me whenever I have functions. The first year, 60 signed up, and out of that, I had 11 finish, or 12 finished. Most of them were freshmen. There was one sophomore, and they had no idea what I was doing. Biggest event of the year, I said, you know, all right, wear black shoes, black pants, a T-shirt. I'll give you a jacket. I show you how to wear an apron so you look cool, and uh, I dressed them up and marched them out there after. They helped me prepare everything and set everything up. You know, then we went back, got dressed, and walked out there, and the whole room went dead silent. When I walked in with my team, it was like, because I had no idea what I was doing. Team went on to become one of the bright spots of the school. When they were reevaluated, they got one of the points of excellence, them and the robotics team. So uh, it turned out to be a really good thing for both the school, for me, for the girls that took it. And um, I wasn't trying to create chefs. I was trying to teach them that food is simply something to be looked at without awe. just you know it's not rocket science it was something you could feed your family you could bond with it you can share you can take some time in the kitchen and teach your kids how to cook you you can spend time with people doing this and it's a happy time and there's secrets to that and the secrets to that is you cook food that you like to eat if you cook food that you like to eat the time in your kitchen is going to be a lot happier If you're trying to follow a recipe that has food that you don't like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, a lot of people get caught up in that saying, well, chef on TV says, this is how you make it. Oh, he's so good. He's talented. He's brilliant. He must know. He must be speaking the truth. And that's the only way you can do it. No, it's not. Yeah. Or you
0: read an ingredient in a recipe and you're like, Oh, I don't have that ingredient yeah. or, Oh, I don't like that ingredient. Yeah. And I'm like, just leave it out there. Yeah, like I sent a recipe to a friend once, you know, uh, a vegetarian recipe saying, Hey, this looks like a really fantastic recipe. And she came back like, well, I don't really like this. And I don't like that. And I'm thinking to myself, then just omit that. Just don't put that on or yeah. in it. Right. Like it's, it's pretty easy. You just leave it out. But some people I think are just very, um, they're very literal, right? They yes. look at a recipe and they think, oh, I must follow this exactly. Yeah. And you know, with baking, yes, yeah, sometimes yeah. you kind of have to, but with cooking, like if you're making no. a meal, you just leave something out if you don't like it, That's right? all. if you don't yeah. like a particular flavor. Yeah,
1: you add something else in, you make it your own. I am thrilled when people send me emails and say, chef, I made your dish, but you know, I added this to it, this to it instead of this. And I'm like, great, you have now made it your signature dish.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: now it's yours. It's and, and I've, I've felt like then I've done something really, really well because I've taught someone how or I've helped someone achieve something that maybe they hadn't have if I hadn't told them in the blog post, because I, I mentioned that I says, if you don't like this, leave it out. You know, I, I said, I would put this in, you know, sometimes I go, I really think this should be in there. But you know what, it's your dinner. If you don't want to put it in, don't put it in that's right. all it's that simple
0: yeah and i think part of it too also comes from this the idea of understanding what an ingredient does in yep. a recipe right some things are in there because they serve a function right yes. like they thicken or they add flavor or mm-hmm. they you know whatever whereas other things are just there because they're just you know like mushrooms i'll use yeah, that they're as filler example they've yeah. got a ton of flavor but some people just don't like don't mushrooms like it. so it's yep. like fine take them out there's other stuff you can put in yep. that will give you a depth of flavor that maybe you might have been able to get from a mushroom i think my my thing is if i if someone doesn't like mushrooms and i need something that's got all that umami in it mm-hmm. i tend to replace it with something like miso paste yeah right because it gives that it's got that umami sure. and that depth of flavor without being mushroomy cuz i know yep. some people just don't don't like mushrooms
1: yeah Um, uh, that's it there's you know that's adding a little soy to it sauce mm -hmm. to it you know which is basically the same thing it's yeah it's fermented soy uh there's a lot of ways you can change things and you know it it doesn't have to be the flavor doesn't have you don't have to like the flavor let's put it Mm -hmm. that way okay don't think because everybody else likes it that you have to it's not how it works okay mm-hmm. if you don't like the flavor fine I always tell people you know try it at least try it if you don't like it okay that's good you know so, I,
0: yeah so I have to ask are you pro cilantro or anti cilantro because I know it's very d- divisive thing I mean I love it um, but I know I love, a lot of people don't yeah.
1: I love cilantro my wife hates cilantro so guess so, what we don't use? We don't use cilantro.
0: <laughs> well, do you like what I do is I chop up the cilantro and put it on the side and then I add it to mine. Yes. If my guests are not interested in having cilantro or I ask ahead of time whether they like it or not. And, and you know, people are yes. very polarized on cilantro. Oh, my
1: God. You know, and, and again, I don't use I don't do a lot of that type of cooking. Like my wife is not a big fan of Mexican food, even though I'm half Mexican. She isn't. So or or Tex-Mex food or Southwestern cooking or for that matter, Thai or anything that would use cilantro in it, too. So there's not a lot of call. We eat a lot of uh, European style, mostly Italian. Uh, Italian is just wonderful. Um, A lot of just grilled or roasted meats, seafood, very plain. Now, I I like the flavors of something. I mean, I love a good sauce, but if the protein can't stand on its own, there's something wrong. Okay. You did not buy a good piece of protein. You didn't buy a good piece of chicken. You didn't buy a good piece of beef. The fish, there's something wrong. It should. You should be able to season it with salt, pepper, and a little olive oil, uh, and you should have some nice flavor. Now you can add something else to it if you want to put you know, a sauce to it. Like she likes her steaks well done. So she uses anything from Caesar dressing to Worcestershire to A1. And I said, well, yeah, if you let me cook at medium rare, it'd have some flavor. <laughs> you
0: know? But, I know it's funny, like when it comes to meat, people are yeah. very, again, like cilantro, they're very yeah. polarized around uh, how people like to have their meat done. Yeah. Uh, some people just can't eat it medium rare. I'm like, that's the only that's way, it. right? Medium we rare. But not mm-hmm. being snobby about it, like in your case, I'm sure as a chef, you would probably cringe if you had to cook you know well done steak all the time but you do have to with your yeah. in your family because yeah. that's what they want yeah. so you cook people what they want instead yeah. of being all fussy about it right
1: And and that's the same thing in a restaurant. You know, I I admit I was a little more obnoxious in my restaurant days. My wife says I am the kinder, gentler Chef Dennis now. Uh, And the school kind of did that to me because the girls, I couldn't be mean to the high school girls. You know, I just I came home with a vegan cookbook and she goes, who are you? (laughs) Because it was like, oh, I don't eat vegetables. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, it, it changed a little bit of my attitude. And when I started the blog, I became very different in the terms of sharing like you know in the old days you didn't share anything today's chefs are very happy to give you the recipe because they know you're not going to make it exactly the same it's never going to taste quite as good and it's not because of your effort it's because of sourcing ingredients
0: Mm. you
1: just don't have the same place to buy things that they do And the quality is going to be a little bit different, or it's going to be a little better, or or maybe it's going to be, you might not be able to find oyster mushrooms, but you find some other kind of mushroom, or maybe you're not going to find some kind of spice, a fresh spice, and you're going to use a dry spice, you know, it's just going to change how the flavors, the ultimate flavors
0: are. and the technique I'm sure comes into oh. it too, right? Like, you know what you're doing, you know how long to sear something or to saute mm-hmm. something or to how long to caramelize onions and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff where somebody else may not do it to the same, at the same level of skill that you would do it.
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 It comes down to that. But you know, it's, again, I tell people don't be intimidated by it. It's not difficult. It's, it's again, just getting in there and trying. And at the end of the meal you enjoyed it. It tasted good. Maybe it wasn't perfect. Maybe it wasn't I think I can make this better. I get those two. I made this and I'm going to make it again because I think I can make it better. I didn't do this right. You know, that's, that's it. It's, it's a learning experience, but as long as it was edible, you enjoyed it. No one gagged at the table. You know, it kind of doesn't win. You know, that's how I like to say. I can always tell my wife doesn't like something that I made because she'll move it around the plate. These are oh. like old <laughs> habits from being a child, I think. And, and she'll say how, I say, how is it? Oh, it's great. And I just see her moving things around the plate and goes, oh, no, it's not, <laughs> you know? Cause she's so my- So she's your, crit-
0: harshest, your harshest critic then.
1: Well, I've turned her into a food stop too. Oh. I really have. Um, when I first met her, she did not like lobster. You know, she would not even think of eating any kind of blue cheese.
0: Wow. I don't want to eat
1: blue cheese either. Oh, start. <laughs> I always tell people start on the gateway cheese, which is gorgonzola. Oh. You know, look Look for sweet. That's no, not sweet. It's dolce. So it's not as aged. It's softer and you spread it on bread.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then you go to the picante. Yeah. You know.
0: I think my aversion to it, it's not the flavor because like mm. I'll eat goat cheese and okay. I'll eat other, lots of other kinds of things. It's not really even the stinky factor. It's the fact that it's mold and okay. I just can't get over the fact gotcha. that the mold is all mixed in with the cheese. I'm like, yeah. oh, I can't. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so it's more of a mental thing than anything else. that I, The reason I don't like blue cheese. Yeah. Um, what would be some tips you would give people um, to help maybe elevate a meal they're making at home to make it rest? Mm quality, like what separates a restaurant quality meal from your regular home cooking meal?
1: Okay, one of the, the easiest things a home cook can do to change the, the overall flavor of a dish that they're making is to buy a soup base. And oh. in, the, in the restaurants, we would use Miners was like the gold standard. I, there were some small companies I bought from that were actually better than Miners that made it uh, just a, a, a better base but miners was the gold standard. You'd find that in big box stores. You can order, it, at least in the States, we can order it on Amazon, but there's a company out there called Better Than Bullion. I I did. I
0: have that.
1: Okay. I I I bought that. I bought the beef one. Yeah. I worked for them once and I had never heard of them before. And I'm like, oh, bullion. Oh my God. They said, we want you to do this. It was for that and a knife company. And I said, you know, this isn't half bad. This is pretty good. So when I can't get miners, the gross, and they're in little eight-ounce jars, so mm-hmm. it's not a lot to buy. And believe me, it's not like buying bouillon. You know, it's not even in the same category. It's a paste. The chicken is very, very good, and I would use the chicken to flavor almost anything mm-hmm. because. So not- you would
0: use it like in um, like a tablespoon of it or a teaspoon of it in a sauce or. How not even you- a
1: not a tablespoon, maybe like a half a teaspoon.
0: Oh, okay, so just a really small amount. Yeah, then. yeah, okay. and again, and
1: you're gonna. It depends how much sauce you have, but like if I'm sautéing chicken, mm-hmm. right, and I'm making say like a, a chicken marsala, which is one of my favorite dishes. You know, I sauté the chicken, I turn it over, I add mushrooms because I love mushrooms, and then when they're pretty much cooked, I hit it with the marsala to stop the cooking, deglaze the pan. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, anything cold that you add to a hot pan is gonna, what we call, deglaze it. And the deglazing is getting all those tasty little bits that have stuck to the pan. They're gonna add flavor to the sauce so that you don't wanna deglaze it and scrape the bottom of the pan a little bit. So then I would put, you know, in the restaurant, we had little vats of chicken stock and a, and a clam stock and a beef stock. And I would take a little ladle of the chicken stock and put that in. So if you're going to add, if you're going to make a sauce, you're going to add some kind of water to it, or you can just make a little bit of chicken stock ahead of time in a little measuring cup and pour that in. If you don't use it, or you can make a quart, leave it in the refrigerator and shake it up and use it when you want to use it. Mm. Um, and it's also the best thing for making a good chicken soup too. Right. But I use it in seafood soups rather than a fish stock, because if I'm making a clam chowder, I use the clam juice from the clams Uh, I will use bits of fish. If I'm making a fish soup, all the different pieces, like what I do is I save any leftover fish I have from dinner. I save all the bits that i cut off and I freeze them. And then when I get enough of them, I go and make a fish soup and then add some fresh fish into it too. Mm -hmm. But chicken gives it, it's, it's, you can't think of it as adding chicken. You think of it as you're adding salt. Mm. Okay. With seasonings. So that just elevates the flavor profile of even like a like a clam chowder. And you're not gonna go, oh, I taste chicken in that. There's no way you're gonna taste chicken in that, but you're gonna taste a little bit more of a bite to it. Uh, if you use like a clam stock, it's got a softer palate taste and it's not as pronounced and it's gonna be good, but it's not gonna have that back of the mouth Mm -hmm. to it you know
0: yeah the depth of flavor yeah the the umami and the depth of flavor yeah Yeah. i'm i'm surprised that your answer was stock because i thought you were going to say the answer is butter (laughs)
1: butter's wonderful you know butter um again going back to graham kerr he was listed as the most dangerous man in america by the american heart association because (laughs) he used butter and cream yeah um Butter is good. Now, I always tell people, if you're going to use butter, like I saute, I start just about everything in olive oil, extra virgin Mm, olive oil. Same. People used to say, "Oh, it burns. It doesn't have a high heat point." That's that's a bunch of bull. It's not true. You know, you can get anything hot enough; it's going to burn. But really, you're not getting that pan that hot that the olive oil is going to burn. I fry in olive oil too. You know, it's fine, uh, just for the expense of it. You know, then I go back to Mazzola <laughs> if, yeah. I'm frying, if I'm frying a lot. Um, but you know, start it in olive oil, and then you finish it with the flavor, like if I'm making a sauce, say I made that, I put that stock in there and it's liquidy and it's gonna be a little runny. Now take a piece of butter, take a piece of like kind of softened butter, put it in flour and push the flour into the butter. Just get it nice and stick, sticky with flour. That's called a beurre manier. And you put that into the pot, the, or the pan that's that's got the hot stock in it, and stir it in. And that bit of flour is going to help thicken that sauce. Okay. I also, before you, like if I'm cooking chicken or anything in the pan, I dredge it in flour first. Mm. It helps protect the meat a little bit. And then it's going to add some substance to help me build the sauce later too.
0: Right. And I think it also helps to dry out the meat, like take the moisture off the okay. surface of the meat, which impairs the browning on it right absolutely
1: yeah even if I don't want it to sear brown I mean but if I want it just to to cook nice and evenly you know it's just it's just something again a trick in the restaurant you know we would have a little bin of flour seasoned with salt and pepper you know because that's part of the way you can season your meat ahead of time and it would get dredged in there thrown in the pan and then you know cook that way so it's easier to make the pan sauce that way nothing is faster than sauté. You know, if you want to cook, buy some chicken tenders uh, because they're easy to cook, they're fast to cook, Uh, have some vegetables cut up and, you know, cook the chicken. I will say cook whatever's going to take the longest first. Mm -hmm. Like if I was going to add bell peppers to it and onions, they would go in the pan first or with the chicken. And then after I turn the chicken, that's when I add the rest of the ingredients to the pan. And that kind of evens out the cooking process right. and just kind of stir fried, almost saute it all up. And then if you want it a little wetter, you put a little chicken stock in, hit it with a piece of butter and, and serve it over rice, uh, farro. Have you ever had farro?
0: Yeah, I love farro. I love
1: farro. Yeah. You know, a, a grain, pasta, you know, whatever your favorite is or potatoes, you know, any anything you like or not. If you don't want to starch, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine that way, too. Yeah, You, know, you can you can throw a tofu, stir fry it that way. Uh, You know, it's just a wonderful way to cook something and have it on your table in about 10, 15 minutes.
0: Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to end by asking you to share with us Mm -hmm. uh, what I would call a no recipe recipe, like a challenge that the listeners could make to try and make it without following like a a traditional recipe and then I'm going to make it too and I'll post it on Instagram and tag you um and so that we can kind of see like how all of this turns out so what would be something that you would challenge us to uh to make
1: well uh, you know people are landlocked or normally I would tell them clams because it's clams are so easy to make they almost make themselves Mm. Uh,
0: so clams out of a can
1: no, well, you oh. can use clam, but fresh clams. You'll find a lot of, I don't know if in Canada, but a lot of the grocery stores in the United States now sell little bags of uh, oh, clams. Oh yeah,
0: it, I think mussels are more popular here okay. than clams. Yeah.
1: You can do it with mussels too. They both mm-hmm. cook the same, but you you chop up a little bit of fresh garlic. And uh, if you're not fond of garlic, you could use a shallot instead if you mm-hmm. want a little more of an onion flavor, But you chop up a little fresh garlic. You put some olive oil in a pan, put the garlic in the pan. I, I always put a little bit, of pinch of crushed red pepper just to give it mm-hmm. a little, little bit little of something. Heat. Yeah, not a lot. You know, you're not going to eat it and go, oh, oh it's hot. Mm-hmm. It just adds a little,
0: yeah, you know, again,
1: a flavor to it. Throw the mussels in. Um, I always like to put some fresh herbs in. You can use Italian parsley. You can use, uh, I, I always use basil, fresh chopped basil. Uh, but you could use tarragon. You could uh, add a little perno to it if you want to get all French on them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's different things you can do. But honestly, I just add the the mussels or the clams with the basil, with the garlic, with the crushed red pepper. I, I sauté the garlic a little bit, put the mussels in, close the lid, and let it cook. When the mussels open up, mussels you got to give them a little bit longer after they open. Clams, when the clams open up, they're done. Okay. And it's like eight minutes. They cook faster than cooking the spaghetti that you're going to serve them on. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll make enough liquid in there to be the juice for the pasta. Uh, The only time as they get, as they age and each bag of clams or mussels you buy should have a tag on them that tells you when they were farmed Mm. because they're, they're going to all be farmed, which is fine for those things. Uh, And it'll tell you how old they are. As they get older, they just kind of dry out. If you ever find one in the bag that's open, throw it away, don't cook mm-hmm. it. It's dead. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to eat dead shellfish.
0: No. Yeah.
1: No. And, and always rinse them. Rinse them a few times. Let them soak in water, rinse them, rinse them, rinse them to get the sand or any grit out of them before you cook them. Yeah. But that's that's easy, you know, with with the uh the mussels, you're throwing out some cannellini beans, some broccoli rub if you want to. Uh you could cook throw some zucchini in there. Uh you could put You know, you can put different things in it to bulk it up a little bit. And uh, if serve it over pasta, don't. Uh, Mm. I I had in Madrid, I had clams served to me, little baby clams with uh, northern beans within like a little bit of a broth.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: It was delicious. And I would have never thought to serve them that way. So, you know, it's, it's a matter, tell people, what do you have on hand? Let's make something out of what you have in the refrigerator or in the pantry. And what do you like to eat? So start with what you like to eat and then what you have in the refrigerator
0: and create. Mm-hmm. Have some fun. Yeah. So I'll say I'm not I'm not a big seafood eater. Okay. I mean, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't cook it a lot. So this will be a good challenge for me well, to make the, this. The other thing is it's not like, something I've ever no. made.
1: Okay. And the other thing would be if people are going, oh, I can't eat seafood. And there's people like that. Yeah. You know, again, chicken like that. We just talked about, you know, get right. some chicken tenders. Saute them in a little of olive oil and throw in whatever vegetables you like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if you want some orzo in it, if you want some pastina in it, if you want some penne pasta in it, you know, have some. Again, what I, I look, what do I have left over? It's almost like making a soup sometimes. Like I have tonight, I've got some brown rice left over from last night. So I'm going to cut up a zucchini and mix it together and uh, use that as a side dish with some other things. But I mean, you could put the chicken pieces in with that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, you could blacken the chicken, Mm -hmm. uh, you could add any other kind of spice you like to the chicken and there's so much you can do to it to make it different.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to try, uh, I'll I'll look at the, uh, at the local shop and see if they have clams or mussels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I'll give it a try and, uh, and post it so that you can see where is the best place for people to follow you. So like, would your blog be the best place for people to start? Absolutely. Um, So your blog is
1: askchefdennis.com. Okay. And if you sign up for my newsletter, which is absolutely free and I bother you once a week with it, If you don't open it. I'll send it to you again that week. But other than that, that's all you get. You'll get three recipes in the newsletter every week. Uh, Some new ones, some I've republished, some I've reworked. Um, And you also get a free ebook. And right now we're doing 10 of my favorite winter recipes in it and every every quarter we change it when you sign up so you sign up and you're under no obligation you can always unsubscribe anytime but uh there's there's a lot of interesting dishes there there's a lot of easy dishes I don't have a lot of time to cook I don't expect other people to have a lot of time to cook so it's a lot of stuff you know there'll be a few things that'll take you like I just did a I'm doing a um beef brisket well, it was mm-hmm. in the oven for five and a half hours.
0: Yeah, but you're not standing over it for five no. and a half hours, right? No. Yeah.
1: No, it went in for three. I opened it up, put it back in. I cooked yeah. for another two, pulled it out, let it sit for an hour and then just forked it apart because it was so tender mm. and, and had it for dinner. So, I mean, but a lot of the dishes will be done within 30 minutes, some okay. some 20 minutes. You know, they're just, they're, they're not things that are going to take all day. And again, like you said, if they are like a stew or something, once the initial cooking part is done, it sits and it just slow cooks.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through love the sort of insider information that you shared about restaurants and, and uh, tips for cooking and restaurant quality meals. So I really, uh, really appreciate that. And I'll be sure to tag you um, when I make the, mussels or clams. I think Those I'll make time. mussels. I think I'm yeah. going to do mussels. Get some, make
1: sure you have some bread to dip in the sauce. Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: and, yeah and definitely.
1: And also the, the Italians get a little crazy when you put grated cheese on it, but I like grated Romano cheese on my, on my clams and mussels.
0: Okay. All so, right. So maybe, All right. maybe,
1: maybe, you know, you like that.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My thanks again to Chef Dennis for sharing his. Um, my thanks again to Chef Dennis for sharing his expertise, his ideas, and his philosophy on food. Um, one of the things that we didn't really talk a lot about. My thanks again to Chef Dennis for sharing his expertise and his tips. Um, especially, I didn't never consider that whole idea of having a stock as like the secret ingredient that makes everything taste like it came from a restaurant. Um, I also really liked his philosophy about making sure that you cook things you like and cook with whatever you have on hand. It really does not have to be complicated. The little challenge that he gave at the end about uh, cooking mussels, I actually did that. And so I will post that um, some photos of that on my Instagram page so if you're interested in seeing uh, what I made I have to say so I'm not a huge seafood fan I enjoyed the mussels Uh, they tasted really good and they turned out well I don't know that I would make this on a regular basis, especially not just for myself. Maybe if I had somebody over for dinner and I was trying to impress them and I knew they really like muscles, but it's not something that it wouldn't be like a go-to for me just, if I'm being completely honest. Um, the other thing we talked a little bit at, at the beginning about, um, uh, the Galloping Gourmet. And I just want to give you a little insider information about the Galloping Gourmet. So his really popular TV show that was on in the late sixties and into the seventies, um, was actually filmed in Ottawa at uh, CJOH TV um, studios. I used to watch that show religiously. I loved it, watched it with my mom. It was one of my favorite TV shows. Then much later on, in sort of the late 90s, early 2000s, he recorded another show here in Toronto. Can't recall the name of it, I'd have to look that up. Um, But I went to see a live taping with some friends, and I got to meet the Galloping Gourmet, and I won a prize, which was his meat thermometer. So he was doing um, a show and he was talking about food safety in the show and he said you know the most important tool that a, a chef will have is a is an instant read thermometer so that you can check to make sure that something is done to the right uh, temperature before you serve it. I was like that is really fantastic and he ended up giving me his meat thermometer as like a little gift. Um, that meat thermometer is long gone now. I do have several new ones since then, uh, because that was probably close to 20 years ago that uh, that I had that experience, but I just wanted to share that with you. Anyway, so whether you make the muscles or not, or whether you just maybe try something new and not be afraid to just throw a bunch of stuff in a pan and call it dinner Uh, please share it with me so tag me on instagram if you do something or you could join my facebook group the no recipe required challenge Um, anyway hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, keep on cooking